we finally journey back into Middle Earth, and isn't it just magical? I'm so goddamn excited. It's great fantasy filled September's, Janine. It's craziness. It really is craziness. Episode one and two of The Rings of Power. We get into that today. Megan the Stallion has joined the MCU. There's rumors in relation to the Fantastic Four movie as well. My headphones fallen out. And there's a really nasty Winnie the Pooh movie as well. It's all crazy. We get into it all. Janine saw a whole bunch of new movies last week. I've also seen some new movies, but that's not as exciting. All of it, we get into it today on the new episode. Welcome to The Madness. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Monday Madness with Morgan and the Machine. Hello, the Machine. Hello, the Morgan. Thank you. Thank you for always saying the Morgan as though I'm special. And it's not you. Are just you are special. You are special. Sure. Sure. Well, yes, I said it in the intro. We're in for a really fantasy-filled September. We it's, are. It's, it's going to get crazy. My sign today says Tolkien versus Martin. Not that it's a battle. Not that it's a fight. Not that we have to start murdering each other on Twitter over whether we prefer the way the Rings of Power is going or we prefer the way that House of the Dragon is going. Because it has to be said, you know, at this point as we're recording this, yes, okay, we've spoken about it before. Episode 3 of House of the Dragon has now come out as you are listening to this, but we haven't watched it yet because yeah. of stupid Sunday air dates. Yes. So we have seen the first two episodes of both of these shows. Um, yes. And we'll get into to how we think both of them are doing and the significant differences in the style of the two of them and obviously the style of those two worlds of fantasy anyway but it's it's warming my heart janine yes it, it, to have so much fantasy just kind of happening all at once yeah but fantasy worlds that i absolutely love and if only the one fantasy world that i inherently love above them all wasn't at its absolute lowest point in popularity yeah. at the moment. We all know what that is, don't we? Yes, yes. we do. Um, but is it about time for me to ask the general question? Because there is a nice few things we have to talk about today. I think, Janine, do you want me to? Yes, I'm ready. Well, Soap, Janine. <laughs> so, uh, a couple of things are soap today, things, Morgan. A couple of yeah. things, yes, yeah. indeed. What are we starting with? Um, well, um, how do you feel about Megan the Stallion now officially being a part of the MCU? <laughs> I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I didn't know what Megan the Stallion looked like. <laughs> I'd heard I mean... her name. I, I was aware of that she was musically based and she she did the WAP song with, yes. with Cardi B but I yes. forgot what she looked like 
I know what oh Cardi goodness. B looks like. But, uh, wow, Morgan. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is this true. Is, this is this the truth. Is, this is where we get old, young, old Morgan. <laughs> yes, it is. No, yeah. I didn't know. I had no idea what, what Megan the Stallion looked like. Um, that's what she looks like. Okay, that's fine. Yes, well, yes. well done, well done, Megan the Stallion. Um, do, do, do we pronounce it Megan the Stallion or Megan the Stallion? Because it's I think you're easy. supposed to say Megan the Stallion, but, just yeah. to emphasize that she is yes. a stallion. Yes. Why is she a stallion? I mean, I don't know why we, we don't say Janine the Machine or the Morgan. I mean, we could we should have done. We could have done. Oh, opportunity. You know, a lot cooler. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it's a fun kind of addition to the show. Um, and I think the show is definitely trying to emphasize, you know, strong, independent women, and she definitely embodies that in her music and her attitude. Um, it so seems think, so from from, from think, the limited yeah. things I know about Megan <laughs> the Megan Stallion. The Stallion. Um, yes, um, and just another Stallion thing to piss off to. fragile men. Um, oh yes, know. yes, yes. So, this is always fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I like that. Even this episode kind of was really poking a lot of fun at that and showing a lot of comments. That's pretty much what Twitter or and TikTok look like right now with with people's kind of commentary on this show and. Um, kind of female-led uh, media. Uh, so yeah, I think she was kind of a fun addition to this to this episode. I know it kind of caused a little bit of uh, silly uh, Twitter drama uh, that <laughs> I was made aware of on Monday before the episode even aired. Um, uh, our good friend Abby Friel, her her yes. brother, kind of got into it with a pretty big uh, superhero uh, TikToker. And oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> yes, oh, so apparently dear. on Twitter, he put a tweet out talking about how um, episode three was going to have a very kind of memeable thing happen. And he was like, seemingly trying to be discreet in this text, like not to give or this tweet, not to give spoilers. But uh, Abby's brother, Ben, you know, rightfully kind of called him out. We're like, you know, guys, he's already spoiled this and like showed a tweet that he had already put out confirming somebody else tweeting about Megan the Stallion being on oh, the episode. Okay. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, it's true. Like he replied that it's true to, to another outlet that said that Megan the Stallion was going to be on the show. So then he proceeded to take a screenshot of Ben's uh, profile picture and post it almost to kind of like mock his looks or kind of like say that he looked nerdy or something and, and kind of got a little defensive and you know saying that all he said was that it was true what this other outlet said um and so then people kind of were coming to ben's defense like kind of saying you know why are you making fun of this kid's looks and uh you know you're taking it a little too far why are you making a big deal and so yeah it was kind of this little bit of twitter beef between soups and so uh, ben so well well was... we'll say well done the freel family Yes, so I, I, you know, Ben uh, has has been. I've been told that Ben was a fan of the machine, the machine. Oh, I see. So I came to his defense, and, you know, <laughs> said, you know, I don't know what he's, you know, talking about. Like Ben, you should be proud. You got him all pressed. You know, <laughs> I think it's a great picture. You got some nice glasses. You got good posture. You're wearing a cool superhero shirt. So, 
Um, keep keep, keep them nice feeling you, pressed, Jermaine. Ben. Keep them feeling pressed. Yes, it's very nice of you, <laughs> so, Jermaine. Of course, yes. I gotta, I gotta um, stand up for my for my guy Ben. But but we don't yeah. like Twitter fighting, <laughs> and I, I said this two minutes ago as well. We don't like Twitter fighting. We don't need fantasy Twitter fighting, and we don't need no. Twitter fighting about Megan the Stallion either. No, no. But I think it was definitely like a fun little thing, and then like end credit scene, seeing uh, She Hulk twerking was was pretty great. Who animated this? <laughs> Which one of these heavily overworked MCU animators spent days to... doing She Hulk's twerking? Twerking. It's twerking it's, it's sad, really. Like, I I kind of would love to be the animator to take credit for that. <laughs> it's it's sad, really, though, isn't it? Honestly. Well, oh, yes. So put that I, on your I resume. Put that on I your did resume. She-Hulk's twerking. <laughs> yes, it's great. The people that are the people that are mad about She-Hulk or are getting all, you know, up in their own business about She-Hulk and, and, and what it's doing. Because I'm I'm really enjoying this show. I'm having I think so much it's fun, fun with this show. It's completely different. It's like WandaVision. It's a completely different thing. Um with a character you're familiar with or maybe not even familiar with and and just doing its own thing it you know it's having these kind of inter intertwining things but it yeah. still knows what it is it knows what it wants to be it calls Cameo attention the week. yes it calls attention to all the ridiculous commentary it plays yeah. with the fun idea of a week by week procedural kind of show it says that that's what it's gonna be um with the kind of added superhero flair and we do get some fun little nuggets that will kind of probably uh play later on but yeah um, we're still kind of able to kind of just have fun with this character outside of kind of the bigger picture of the mcu so yeah and and all the all the people that are getting up in their own business about it i i just think uh like you said before deeply fragile men because it is yeah. men and it's all it's this whole thing of oh well hulk's a man so you can't just make a, a she hulk well she hulk's been around since the 60s yeah but the so... biggest thing i think it was that a lot of people were going off about the scene where she told bruce that she was better at controlling her anger than he was and people just immediately kind of took that as her saying she was better than bruce saying that um because that's because people don't listen yes saying that she's better than bruce say kind of discrediting his kind of emotional journey and and invalidating his journey that he had to go through and his struggle that he had to go through so you know the fragile men were really kind of out well there yes except he didn't was, do that she at was all, invalidating bruce and and kind of trying to say she was better than him um but like you are trying to speak to things that you wouldn't understand all the little kind of microaggressions that women have to deal with on a daily basis you know and then we kind of have to hold back so that we don't look like the crazy woman. So we don't look like this, you know, the stereotype of women feeding into their emotions so they can't do anything. Um, so it's like either we play up those emotions so that, you know, we validate the stereotype you have for us or we hold it all in. And then when we just talk about the fact that we have to hold it all in, we're trying to say we're better than somebody. <laughs> Yeah. You know. And yeah, and look, even from 
from a, a Hulk-based story point of view, do, would you not want different experiences for different types of, of Hulk? If if Jen Walters had the exact same story that, that Bruce had, there would be no point in her because it would be the same story. Yeah, it would be something we saw. Fictional character. It would really we've already be... seen it. Yeah, it would really just be a girl version of what we've already yeah, seen. Yeah, which would be even, which would be, which boring. would be egregious, yes. you know. That, that would be boring. That would be pointless. Would be interesting. Yeah, exactly. But we're getting a different character with different experiences that handles this in a completely different way because of her life experiences. Um, I don't so, know yeah. what people's issue is. So yeah, it's it's been a lot of kind of discord about this show and, and kind of nonsense takes about it um and i'm I'm sure this episode is just going to be another one where people are going to just be kind of you know i think most people have said like this wasn't their favorite because i think a lot of the people who are making commentary are the fancy people who have seen like the first four episodes already so um, okay (laughs) i I have i'm i'm having absolutely no problem with she hulk at all and yes, it's silly that someone like Megan the Stallion's now in this kind of pops up but this show as as <laughs> randomly, but and you know she's officially part of of the MCU now. Yeah, so, so fun. that's fun for fans of Megan the Stallion. Like I said, I, I've got very little concept of her in general. <laughs> I literally only just discovered what she looked like. So this is like the same. As when I discovered that Doja Cat wasn't a cat meme and was in fact a person. Yeah. Isn't it? This is a little behind. So maybe you should follow these people on Instagram. So even if you don't, you know, listen to their music, you'll at least be aware of at least what they look like. (laughs) Well, I, I, you know, I realized when she showed up in the episode who she was because the whole episode's based around somebody thinking an Asgardian shape shifting elf was Megan the Stallion. It's yeah. weird. But yeah. No, I like She-Hulk. I, I'm I'm enjoying She-Hulk. I'm enjoying it I, as I well. just think people need to get over themselves, Janine, and people need to realize that um oh this weird mentality of I'm a man, I, I I'm in control. I don't like I like women to be weak and feeble and is just problematic. Yes. And I don't want them in my superhero movies as a lead. Like, okay. They should be the love interest and only ever the love interest because that's all they're good for. <laughs> Get yeah. out. It's like, then just watch those things. If you don't well, like yes, this, exactly. then don't There's don't plenty watch of it. those things. Exactly. You know, so, so go watch those and don't shoot. watch this show if it's not for you. But yes, uh, really fun kind of surprise in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, some other MCU-related uh, news or slash rumors um, is related to the Fantastic Four movie, which is, I forget when it's actually slated for now. Is it going to be the final movie of Phase 5? I Was believe it? so. Isn't it that? Um, but has it found its director? In yes. Matt Shackman. Yes. So that is kind of the rumored thing that and the and that they're talking about is probably going to be at, announced at D twenty three coming. I up. see. Um. Well, Matt Shackman did WandaVision. WandaVision, Yeah. But Matt Shackman's also done some episodes of Game of Thrones. 
Oh, Man Chapman's cool. also done some episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Really? So really, Very I've got eclectic. absolutely no idea yes. what to expect. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I think that's a definitely a good mix of things. You're going to have your series, you're going to have your kind of, you know, MCU comedic flair in there, and you're going to have some interesting, uh, unique visuals uh, as well. So, um, yeah. I think it's, um, I think it's making people somewhat think about that um i think it's been around for a while really but you just cast the it's always sunny crew as the fantastic, fantastic four. four oh my gosh That's um so perfect because it kind of works really quite oh well oh gosh danny devito is the thing <laughs> no danny devito danny devito would be doctor doom no he has to be the thing danny devito no uh, Rob McElhenney would be the thing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Rob McElhenney would be the thing. Um, I think, anyway. But, why not actually have Glenn Howerton as Reed? I do actually think that could work. I mean, I could see it. And I'm just... I think people are going off this because he has done episodes of, of Always Sunny. Um, but like I said, he also obviously did WandaVision, so he's more than aware of, of the MCU now anyway and how it works. And he's also done some episodes of Game of Thrones, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of other things as well. Yeah. Who's to say? Who's to say? But they always seem to know what they're doing in, in appointing um, directors for their, for their movies. I just hope that it goes along the same line that, a lot of, you know, the MCU stuff is going recently, for better or worse, really. Yeah. In it being, you know, very filmmaker creative, very, you know, kind of, we trust Letting... you to do what yes, and... you do. Go and do what you do. Because, yes, okay, you know, Thor Love and Thunder may have not been the most revered movie ever. It, you know, it, it, I thought it was it was gold. I thought it was, you know, okay. But it certainly was far from the best MCU movie. Yeah. But it, it certainly felt appropriate to the... To the person director. making it. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, in general, I think this phase is going to have a rough time anyway because... You know, Endgame was kind of this epic conclusion of what yeah. we've been with for so many years. So to kind of switch gears now and have to introduce new characters and bring familiar characters now to step up to the forefront. And, you know, now with the shows kind of mixing in with the lore of everything and, and telling the stories of where we're going to go, um, you know we're in a weird place. We're dealing with the blip and the whole kind of five years things and weird timeline stuff and multiverse. And so in having to deal with kind of what Endgame kind of nicely closed up and now we're having to kind of have a whole fresh start situation, this phase is going to have a lot of work to do. So I think, you know, the best route is definitely just get good directors who have a unique vision and let them do their thing. Let them experiment, let them play, let them have fun, because I think this is kind of going to be the funnest phase because, you know. Yes, because you've let everybody do their own thing. Yes. And you're just at the beginning of, you know, something bigger. So, yeah. you know, 
at the early stages, you can kind of be a little bit of fun with it. And it's not going to be as heavy and as serious until we kind of get a little bit deeper into the phase. But, but to um, be fair, I mean, once we reach Fantastic Four, like I said, that's, you know, slated for the end of phase five. We're going to have, you know, a little bit more of a clearer build up of, of, of big event rather yes. than so so it, you know it may it may not feel as eclectic as some of these phase four stuff has because it's felt you know some of these have felt very singular very yeah. kind of on their own very of their own tone you might have a more quote unquote typical mcu tone to something like a fantastic four when it comes along um but you know, I, I have faith in, in them choosing the right people for the right jobs yeah. because they, 90, you know, 98% of the time do that and have done that. And they but very, think, very rarely faltered. Yes, but I think, and I think the biggest complaint always with MCU was just that, like, they all kind of followed the same kind of formula. So I think if you're actually yes. kind of letting these kind of unique directors, you know, kind of see their visions through, then we're not going to get the same formula. Everything is going to have their own unique feel with one kind of strong through line, you know. Well, yeah, but I mean, even if you do have the same formula, which does tend to happen, obviously, in, in these kind of things anyway. Yeah. And these kind of movies and TV. You have a different tone which can make the world a difference. You know, the story structure can be pretty much the same, but if you have a different style of making it or a different tone involved, it will feel different. Yeah. Because, you know, there's there's ancient narrative philosophies that, oh, there's only ever five stories you can possibly tell. Well, if there's only ever five stories you could possibly tell, why do we have thousands upon thousands of stories being told in movies and TV every single year and we have done for a hundred years? Yeah. You know, why? Because there's always new ways of doing things. There's always new ways of putting things together. There's always new tones to explore and all these kind of things. And that's just what it has to do. It can keep following these same formula. That formula works, but just be a bit bizarre with it. And I think they have been doing it in Phase 4, and I hope that continues into Phase 5 towards the bigger movies, like something yeah. like Fantastic Four, which is obviously going to be a pretty big movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've also got, like, uh, we, we have got Mr. Fantastic casting rumours as well. That yes. isn't actually Glenn Howerton no. or John Krasinski, who we saw, obviously, in Multiverse of Madness as that particular universe's uh, Reed Richards um, I think we're pretty much clear now that that was done based on the uh, fan, fan outcry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he won't be actually, you know, our MCU universe's no. Mr. Fantastic. But who's to say that he won't return as an alternate Mr. Fantastic? Yeah, in, a, in another multiverse. He doesn't in, just in have to be that version. one. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't just have to be that one that was sliced apart. Or Spaghetti. whatever happened, yes. spaghettied by uh, by Wanda. <laughs> yes, um, but the rumor we are getting for Mister Fantastic is uh, Pen Badgley. Now, I wasn't aware that Mister Fantastic was a creepy stalker man, <laughs> but apparently, <laughs> he is now. No, I don't I mean, know. 
There Are is we just more casting? than that, I think. I mean... Is the though... What's he known for? Come on. I mean, what's one? What's a movie you really enjoy, Morgan? Any and movie that I really... Is he? Yes. The movie I really enjoy? Yes. Who is Penn Badgley and She's the Man? No, but another Amanda Bynes movie. <laughs> Amanda, another Amanda Bynes movie. Which one? Which one's he in? He's in, he's in Easy A. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, He's a okay. love interest in Easy A. No, he isn't. That's not the same person. That is Penn Badgley. That is Penn Badgley. Why didn't I know that? Yes. Terrible. It's been a, it's been a long while since I've seen Easy A, <laughs> to be fair, so forgive me. Yes. He's the, the boy that Olive likes. He's kind of the, yeah, he's the main crush of the movie. Gen generally don't and I genuinely love him in that movie. He's very kind of sweet and kind and funny and just kind of pops in and does like a little kind of comedic beat and well okay, so, yeah. but he's most so, yeah. known for being a creepy stalker man now. Isn't he? I think <laughs> but I do think he has some range. So like I it's definitely not something I saw until I heard the name and then I kind of gave it some thought and then of course you know boss logic came in with the with the graphic now so, i see yes um so yes of course as uh, boss that, logic that. tends to like to do yes he did a fun little whop of of she hulk as well <laughs> oh dear yes like the whop cover of cardi b and megan the stallion like they're back to back with like this big hair and i think they're sticking their tongues out i <laughs> think he did he did uh, a one with she hulk but um yeah, so I think he did do a rendering of what Penn Badgley would kind of look like. So, you know, I think that helped kind of sell the image for me and the idea for me. So, you know, I could see it. But look, right I now it's just rumored. So, you know, D23 is this yeah. weekend. So, um, presumably. Well, this, this, or next, this coming... next weekend. Sorry, next weekend. So this coming weekend as of this yes. as of Oh, this yeah, show this coming added. weekend. Yes. So ah, this I weekend, okay. I believe like the 9th, 10th. 11th week. Okay. Yeah. So so that so our any conversation that we have from that may be coming in two weeks on the show, possibly. Yes, potentially. So any news, any new Disney news kind of coming. I out, see. Okay. Um. Yes, coming out this coming weekend will potentially be um on the next show, on the next two I shows. See. So. So yes, um, just rumors right now. So who knows if we'll get anything more concrete uh, at D23. But I don't think the look of someone like Mr. Fantastic is particularly important. I think as just the, he has the characterization gray. is yeah. <laughs> touch of you know the touch of the silver fox about him at yes. the sides of his hair, but other than that. You just need somebody to be an incredibly confident genius. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's kind of a little bit not as witty as Tony Stark. Kind of, kind of, a, if you were to mix Peter Parker and Tony Stark, basically, I think that tends to be what Reed Richards is. Doesn't he? He's really quite geekier than Tony. But yes. not uh, and not as arrogant. And I mean, the two thousands portrayal of him was very much like he was just kind of so into his science that he didn't really, he didn't really pick up on 
social nuances and things yeah, like that. Yeah, which something like that, you know, yeah. it does work, doesn't it? And, you know, what, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name because I never can do the Welsh dude who played him. Is it, um, I, is it Ian? It, it's spelled very differently, but I think it's just Ian Griffith. Even though I'll it looks go with like, it. Even though it looks like Iowan Grufford, I think it's just Ian Griffith. I'll I go with I'm gonna go with the Welsh dude who plays Mr. Fantastic. Yes. Um I mean um, I, I actually like that movie. I mm, I like the I sequel. don't mind it. Yes. I mean I was somebody who was a very kind of big cheerleader for the early era of superhero movies just because it's like, oh my gosh, comic books come to life and they're actually making movies of these things and it's so cool. You don't and like those I... ones from the eighties and the early nineties and the uh you know the, I mean, those not so much. weird Thor movies and yes, Doctor and the Strange weird Captain, and America Captain America movies. movies. <laughs> it's really bad. And, Roger Corman's I mean, unreleased Fantastic Four movie yeah. and all that kind <laughs> Just of to stuff. Just keep the rights, yeah. Um, all very kind of messy. Um, but yeah, like I think that kind of early era, I definitely am a, a staunch defender of. I can definitely, you know, recognize the flaws and and the mistakes and things that just don't work but i i have a huge appreciation for that era of comic book yeah. movies uh because yeah it was something new and you know built what we have we wouldn't have what we have now without kind of those early movies no certainly not you know those early blueprints of what to do and what not to do so yeah i mean i liked that version of the fantastic four you know with all its kind of ridiculousness there were elements that really worked um, so yeah, I'm really curious to see, you know, who we get as our Fantastic Four because it's yeah. been, you know, generally it's been kind of not the best uh kind of adaptation. No, uh, for being know, such a, a yeah. famous you yeah, know, comic. Like book. they're called the first family of, you know, comics of the first family of Marvel. So yeah, you know, to be such kind of a marquee thing of Marvel and to not they, have it really been done full justice. Well they were the first uh, thing Marvel know. ever did, weren't they? So yeah. mm -hmm. it, it is uh it is significant, you know, as a as a as a entity, as a as a you know franchise or IP or whatever you want to refer to the Fantastic yes. Four as. Um so, yeah. It is just a shame that they just haven't I, been done to the best. They haven't been done. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. To the Brilliantly. Best so, but I'm yeah. sure that will come. I'm sure that will come in this movie. Yeah, I think you know, strong get. director and uh, you know, interesting casting rumors so far. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious am, to hopefully get more information about it going forward. So, I am admittedly a little bit more excited about who's going to play the thing because I think to. You know, to to be a, you know, to be Ben Grimm, you always your face and all that, and then just turn into an orange rock. Michael Chiklis, like he was, he loved that he part. Was he great. was great. He committed to that makeup, and I think the makeup actually looked really good. And he was great. And like that you was know, his real I, voice. I, I agree with that. I agree. Voice, I think he was great. So, I just think whoever you get, whoever you you get, has to love the thing otherwise i think it will go pretty wrong like you can't just do what the mcu does and have people's faces on a suit you yes. you can't do that with the thing the thing's just a rock monster yeah or it's do like what they did with jamie bell in the fant four stick like 
Yeah, it's you, um you've got to find somebody. With that, yeah. You've got to you know, you've got to find or somebody who's who's as happy as Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel are and were playing Rocky Yeah. And so yeah, Green. if you're going to if you're going to go full CGI then you need someone who's really going to bring that voice to it and bring that personality to it and make you care about a fully CGI character. Yeah. Um so um, either do that or you know find a Michael Chiklis who can really put on that suit and and really kind of sell that or oh, I suppose do it in mocap like Josh Brolin yeah as Thanos you could mm-hmm. do it like that yeah. and I think that'd be fine because it honestly if you made you know, the thing look like Thanos you know the kind of quality of yes Thanos, mm-hmm but just orange, well. it would be yeah. fine, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would be absolutely perfect. It would yes. look like the thing. Yeah. Um, but no, it's uh, it's exciting, and I'm sure plenty more excitement comes in relation to all things MCU once D23 is uh, has all of its announcements, because everything that we didn't get at San Diego Comic-Con, we're likely we'll to get, get there. there. Yes, and just another kind of notch for for marvel as well because um i I heard recently that dc has canceled their dc fandom which they had done for the past two years as a kind of little fun con situation in in kind of uh, the COVID times, and they really. Mean, it's just to... really getting sad. <laughs> yes, I mean, and I think it's like they're canceling it because, like, literally, what what do they have to talk about? Right, exactly. What, what do they have to share? <laughs> Nothing. I mean, I was excited. I actually had some art featured in last year's DC fan. You did. So I was excited to, you know, get get a a prompt to do some artwork again and share some artwork uh, for something like that again. But in hearing that it's been canceled, it's like, okay, um, Zazlav and your 10 year plan to be like Kevin Feige. Well, Kevin <sighs> Feige is on his shit. And what are you doing? You're just canceling things and messing. We don't up. know. We you have we, no plans. We just really don't so, know. <laughs> so you yeah. have no plans. Zobo. So yes, Disney and Marvel are getting ready to probably reveal some really interesting things and DC has nothing. And it is genuinely sad. It is very I know sad people cause... are laughing about it because people like I mean, sometimes it is it is funny because some people get really upset and like really mad and very crybaby about it. Yeah. And I, I have no time for for crybabies on Twitter, but <laughs> It is quite sad because yes. I just want the best for for both of those particular yes, companies. And DC has some great characters, <laughs> but... but it does it does it, it does make you laugh as well because people get so unbelievably mad about things that ultimately they don't well... massively matter to. <laughs> I know, I know you love these characters, but they've also they, they actually do have good movies and good TV based around these things. You just go and watch that. those but... until it's not your responsibility to for 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 you know DC films to get their act together. Just because they're not doing doesn't mean you have to come and defend every bit of garbage they actually you know come out with. Yeah, it doesn't. But, I mean, <laughs> to to also just bring up one more thing with DC and people being angry, um, there were a lot of issues. Uh, you know, 
with the comics. DC tried to do this whole launch for Hispanic Heritage Month and highlight their Hispanic characters with these covers. And literally all the covers just have these Hispanic characters with Latin foods, with Mexican foods. So they had a Green Lantern and the artist had done a version where he was holding like the lantern and holding a Mexican flag. And they ended up, instead of using that version, they used an alternate version that he drew where he's holding a plastic bag of tamales. Wait, right. (laughs) What? Wait. So they're not actually like, the covers aren't of DC's Hispanic characters. They're of just DC characters pretending to be Mexican. No, what's they're, this about? They, no, they're they're Hispanic. They're Hispanic DC characters, and they're highlighting them on special covers to celebrate his. Oh, yeah, that's Heritage what I thought Month. you said. That's what I yes, thought you said. But then you said but, Green Lantern was was holding. Yeah, a Mexican. No, fl- there's there's different versions of Green Lantern. There is. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes that's right. So they have a girl version who actually was in um uh League of Super Pets. She was the Green Lantern in that movie. Okay. So well, this makes they sense. had her version like eating like a quesadilla. They had the other one of the versions holding a bag of tamales. They had this the is blue something I would expect from Disney. You know, yes. you, you know what I they mean. They had they had the blue beetle eating tacos. Brilliant. Um, and they had Hot Girl like as a waitress in her Hot Girl outfit with an apron on, oh. serving serving you know plantain like things at a Mexican restaurant so yeah all of these covers to celebrate hispanic heritage month of these latino superheroes all just with with mexican food definitely something i would actually expect from disney given their stereotyping history yeah, so a lot of, you know, Latino people were very, you know, and then Hispanic people were very I kind of frustrated with this and upset with this. And yeah, so another just kind of screw up on, on DC's and uh, yet again. So. I can imagine. So <laughs> anyway, Janine, uh, yeah. before we get into any um, discussion on, on the Rings of Power, the first two episodes of the Rings of Power... The the there's been a trailer for the for the Winnie the Pooh horror movie, Winnie the Pooh yeah. Blood and Honey. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just the weirdest thing I could yeah. possibly wish for. I mean, it's not even B; it's like C D movie. I don't know. Um. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be a, a really quite fun, bizarre gore fest, or just bad, like something you'd sat there watching and then 40 minutes in you just go oh this isn't good is it this just and they're not even trying to oh, and they're annoying. not even trying to play up the ridiculousness of it they're really trying to be like a serious horror movie no, they're being, just they're being fully yeah. straight with it if they were being a little bit weird with it it would come across i think as more excitable kind of more watchable yeah, because they're playing it so darkly straight, seemingly straight in this trailer. Yeah, it just looks it, like any old slasher, but with a very kind of just off the wall kind of. It's bad weird. It. It's almost bad weird. It's not yeah. good weird. It's coming across as bad weird. Yeah, and I understand. Do what you want to do. Winnie the Pooh's public domain now. Do what you want to do with it. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> But it does just look like 
any other any random slasher movie where the killers just happen to be wearing masks. Yeah, it feels like a you're next. And... Yes, uh, it feels very much like a you're next type situation. I think it's only going to be Pooh and Piglet because I think Tigger came later, so he's not part of that free domain thing. Um, oh but yeah, it's but you the two of them, and then still, we see like the we see a, a sign that says "R.I.P. Eeyore." So I think that's kind of there's their way of saying you know they they got so animalistic that they killed everyone else in the hundred acre woods except each other. So there's no reason to kill off Eeyore. I mean, Eeyore's just my spirit animal and always has been. So yeah. So um, I don't know. This looks kind of ridiculous. I don't. I don't know how seriously it's going to take itself. If it doesn't take itself too seriously, and it knows what it is and it plays that up, I think it could be really kind of a fun, cheapy movie. Um, it could be. Yes. Or it could so. just be plain horrendous. Yeah. And be like fully nominated for every single Razzie possible. Yes, so that's kind of what the trailer has me leaning towards, but I'm hopeful that it's just going to be ridiculous and fun. Yeah. We'll see. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. very interesting trailer. I think it will, regardless, be quite a cult film and go down as quite a cult movie. Yeah. You know, as as this first real bizarre exploration (laughs) into what you can do with public, with with a huge character. Yeah. In that's now in public domain i mean you know when when mickey mouse becomes public domain which is not that far away unless disney finagle something and you don't know the influence and power of these things but mickey mouse's public domain is not far away at all what the hell's gonna happen with that yeah that's you know interesting What the hell is going to happen with that? Or at least the original design of Mickey Mouse. Maybe yeah. the current design of Mickey Mouse that we know yeah. from the parks and situation are still going. But like the Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse. Yeah. You can do whatever you want with it. This is the same thing with Winnie the Pooh, isn't it? It's like it's the original books that are public domain. It's not Disney's Winnie the Pooh. So you can't put a yeah. red T-shirt on, on Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. <laughs> but you, but it's, still, it's still Winnie the Pooh. It's just not Disney's winning the proof. Yeah. It's weird. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be no matter what. I just hope it is good crazy. And it looks yeah. it looks like it could be good crazy. Yes. But so it also I'm looks hoping... like it could be very easily just bad. bad. Just bad, yeah. It it definitely could go. The pendulum could swing either way very easily. So I'm really curious. I'm still very intrigued about what this is gonna oh, be. Oh yeah. Enormously intrigued. Are we intrigued for the rest of the season of the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, though, Janine? Because it had its double episode premiere, episodes one and two on Prime. Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. We have, over the past couple of weeks, got back used to Westeros and its realistic nastiness. Yeah. In in a high fantasy setting. This is the archetype of high fantasy. Tolkien is the absolute pinnacle of high fantasy. There, there's yeah. nothing remotely realistic about Middle-earth. Even though Middle-earth is technically supposed to be our own world millennia ago. Yeah. If you read certain things. Um, but... I think it was a lot 
It was an awful lot. It of was a lot information. And for um, someone like me who doesn't know a lot about this world, it, it yeah, was, it was tough for me to get through. I'm not gonna lie. I'm definitely more on the side of House of the Dragon um, because even though, like, that's also a very kind of vast world that you know, yeah. I I don't know too many details. I know enough. Um, and the story's interesting enough. The characters are interesting enough. There's enough intrigue there that, like, I could get into it. But this was just a lot of kind of meandering and bouncing around to so many different things. And um, it wasn't as kind of contained as House of the Dragon. Um, no, I mean, Because I think, that, that, I think that, what, what House of the Dragon is doing, yes, we're kind of mostly following one family. But even though you're having a bunch of different stories you're kind of still staying pretty focused in the beginning. And then I expect it to kind of branch out, which is even kind of what Game of Thrones did. You kind of focused in on a small kind of core of your world. And then once you kind of let people get to know these characters and the dynamics, then you branched out to to the bigger parts of the world. I Whereas mean, this is already just kind of like, you're already getting a lot all at you once. Are. You are. The rings of power. So I think it's just, it was a little... It was a little much for me to kind the of thing wrap is, my head around. House of the Dragon isn't going to branch out to the rest of the world because it's literally just going to it's going to be entirely Targaryen focused. You're gonna have other families, sure, you're gonna have some other location, sure. But you're not going to be anywhere close as sprawling as Game of Thrones was. Yeah. And I think this is the good thing about what about the idea of making the second you know song of ice and fire big tv show be something like house of the dragon is that i think it's got more chance of being easily understood yes. um because while you know lord of the rings and the hobbit are quite vast in scope um especially obviously lord of the rings is really quite vast in scope it seems to be one focused story still of just destroying the ring. Yes. Ultimately, yes, there's wars going on. You yes, there's crew, the end of an age on their going journey, on. and we're following them on this journey. So we're kind of seeing what the good guys are doing. We're seeing what the bad guys are doing, and that's I kind think, of it. And I think I think we'll get there with this because I think what these first two episodes are is setting up intrigue. And I think I'm very, very, I'm very, very intrigued as to what's come, what's to come after. And because I'm the kind of fantasy watcher, fantasy reader who loves the worlds more than the individual stories within them, I really got into the Rings of Power pretty quickly okay. because it was giving me the little map detail things yeah. and the little place names and i and i was checking on my phone going okay where's that in like okay that's there right okay yeah like um this you know the, the second episode say when when elrond goes with lord Celebrimbor back to like erigion i was like okay mm -hmm. where, where, where's that where where's Erigion? okay it's right near Moria, Kazadum, it's right near there. Yeah. I think the difficult thing as well about Middle Earth sometimes for for you know, like you say, you're not 
enormously studied on, on Middle Earth. No, and I'm not yeah. enormously studied on Middle Earth. But the difficult thing that uh, can be to do with it is that the names of places and things aren't massively easy anyway. But then everywhere also and every everywhere and everything is referred to by like three different things that all mean the same thing. And you kind <laughs> of have to figure yeah. out which one's which. Um, and you've just got to keep that information kind of in your head. I mean, A Song of Ice and Fire kind of does that as well. It certainly does, does that with people. Yeah. N not really places, which I feel like it's probably why it's easier to figure out where you are yeah. yes. in, you know, Westeros and Essos. But who you're talking about, maybe, you know, a little less easy to understand because I think people are referred to by three and four different names, depending yeah. on who, who, who they, they are, are depending yeah. on who you're talking about, depending on who is talking. Yeah. Uh, but Middle Earth and Tolkien certainly does that. And because it's full of full of magic and full of mysticism and just full of supernatural things, um, there's no real world explanation for things like Oh, the stars are strange. And you just have to take that as, oh, oh the stars are strange. Why <laughs> are the stars strange? Probably something to do know. with the Maya, yeah. the gods. You know, it, it, we don't yeah. really know. It's not, nothing's going to be set in stone. No. Um, has evil but... gone from the world? Galadriel's on this quest with a bunch of yes, elven people. Too. Has evil gone from the world? Oh, we don't know. Well, has it or hasn't it? Mm, we're not sure. It might have done, but we don't know. There's these markings of Sauron everywhere. Yes, and she still has this feeling that it's still out there. Because so. she's seen things, because she's a seer, obviously. She has the you know, the, the mirror of Galadriel yeah. from, from Lord of the Rings. She she's able to see things. Um it doesn't I don't think it gives us a massive amount of story these first no. two episodes but, but what it does in... give us is a welcome back into middle earth and i don't think you know I, I i feel like this is the same middle earth that we got from peter jackson I, yeah i, don't I mean it doesn't feel like, feel like a, it definitely feels like a very complimentary version of what we know but i mean character wise we got so many great kind of colorful characters interesting characters characters that you sympathize with that you immediately kind of fell in love with or were intrigued by or you know made you laugh or you know broke your heart and all of these things but so far anyone i've met is not really interesting me you know getting me. really yeah like you don't even don't... like the dwarves, Durin and his wife. I mean, they just feel kind of like hollow recreations of, of, okay. of the other dwarves that I like. You know, okay. I mean, I, oh. I, th I, I do think it's, I do think it's a very bold show in in terms of its. It's focusing on scope more than anything else. Yes. I think I think it's and focusing I mean, on massive picture things. Amazon is putting a lot else. of money into this show. I think I, I can't remember. I, somebody gave us a crazy statistic about like how this show was like costing more money than like 
all three movies combined or yeah. the first two movies combined or something crazy like that. And they're kind of wanting it to be their kind of like pillar series. They're wanting it to be their Stranger Things. Yeah. And so, look, I, I mean, think, I don't I know. It will be. Yes. After these two episodes, I don't know if they've completely gotten there, but I mean, who knows? Going down and I way. just think that's because they haven't started a full story yet. And I think the full story starts when we kind of get more into this dude who's fallen down in this meteor. Yeah. That's the intrigue. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the intrigue for me. But just seeing characters of Middle Earth kind of go about their business and, and have thoughts about the state of the world, because that is that is what Tolkien writes about more than anything else. Oh, what do people think of the state of the world? What are people's yeah. attitudes towards the world? Why do we like the Harfoots and the Hobbits so much? Because they just love simple things, you know? Yeah. They like... And you felt that. I'm sure you felt that with yeah. the Harfoots. They mm-hmm. are very much proto-Hobbits. That's the point of them. That's who they are genetically. Yeah. But they're the same characterization of just, oh, they just like fun things and, and running around and getting in the mud and eating and, you know, lounging around a bit. Yeah. And they're just trying to, you know, live their best life. They haven't necessarily found anywhere yet. I, I assume we're going to, over the course of this entire show's run, Find see those migrate yeah. to the Shire because yeah. the Shire doesn't technically exist in this time. And yeah. also, I suppose the difficult thing about the Rings of Power is the fact that it's based on pretty mythological stories that Tolkien did write, basically, but in very little detail. So yes. you are getting... And they don't have complete rights to certain things. No. They have to kind of make up their own things to fill those gaps and kind of make up their own histories kind of loosely based on things that he wrote. Um but the, the most important thing, I think, and, and what I've seen that's pretty much, um, pretty much everybody is thinking this, or that I've seen at least, um, certainly the, the heavier kind of Tolkien fans that I follow and, and look at and things like that are all in agreement, and I am as well, that this feels entirely like Tolkien's Middle Earth that we yeah. saw in you know that we've seen mm-hmm. in the books and that we've seen in Peter Jackson's movies. Yes. Um which like I said, because I'm somebody that in their fantasy likes the world above anything else, that's what I was looking for. That's what I want. I don't care what happens. I would sit watching Elrond smash up stones with a dwarf. <laughs> Yeah. For three hours. I don't care because that feels appropriate. That feels appropriate for this world. I'm not massively concerned with what's going to happen in this show. I'm intrigued as to the journeys and the starting of these journeys of, of characters. I actually really like um, the characterization of this younger Elrond as well. I think he's yeah. doing a great job. I think young Ned Stark's doing a great job as young <laughs> Elrond. <laughs> oh actually, gosh. in these first two episodes. Um, I really like him. He seems very sure of himself. Like, he's not as distant as Hugo Weaving Elrond feels. Yeah. He'll get there. He'll get there. 
but he feels a little bit more pleasant. He feels like you know a, a touch more down to earth. And, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and Galadriel just seems incredibly determined. She gets this close to going back to Valinor before diving off the damn ship. Yeah, and swimming the entire oh length. Gosh, back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is this is elves for you. They're immortal for a reason, you know. Yes, but I think because because I'm not massively massively studied on you know the history of Middle Earth, Tolkien's written histories of Middle Earth, and all this kind of thing, the legends of the Second Age, which which is what we're dealing with here. And I just yeah. kind of know bits and bats of it from names of places, names of things that's, that happen. more than I know. <laughs> um, I can see, you know, I can get excited by, oh, they're going, oh, we, we see, we see Valinor at the start, of the very, very, very start with really young child Galadriel. That's in Valinor. That's the Undying Lands. That's where Frodo yeah. and Gandalf and everybody goes at the very end of Lord of the Rings. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> and then they come over to Middle Earth. And the yeah. map transitions. I mean, I do love that. I really, really love those map like, transitions. I'm really going to love that. <laughs> um, but I do have to, I do find myself having to remind myself, like, where things are. Linden, Kingdom of the High Elves. Where is that? Okay, well, let's Google. Okay. That's literally just west of the Shire, what we think of as the Shire. Yeah. So the Shire's like here. Not that people who are listening to this on the audio can see my weird description. Yes. <laughs> the Shire's like here. Then there's a, a mountain range, right? There's like a mountain range west of the Shire. And then Linden Kingdom of the High Elves, which doesn't exist in the Third Age, Yeah. you know, during Lord of the Rings, is west of that on the coast. That's where that is. So that's where they have that ceremony. And, you know, the 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 high king, I think he's Gil-Galad, I think, um, gives them all the crowns and say, the, the yeah. age of peace is here now. Elrond, go off with Lord Celebrimbo. And these are names that I've kind of heard in passing, but don't really know anything yeah, personally about them. You know, go go and and build this tower, whatever whatever the building. We'll find out. But it's very. You feel the scope of it. Yes, and I think definitely. that was important. And I felt that, and I enjoyed very much watching these first two episodes. Yes, I'm excited to get a little more focused with the story. I think once Galadriel gets back on the land of Middle-earth. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll get, get some more. That. But yes, for me it was it was a little difficult to get through, but I am kind of still in it to kind of see where it goes. So. What about the story of um of the men then? And the that that one elven archer who was like the the watcher in that tower who's been looking over this little town of men for, yeah, for see, I mean, 80 that, years. That, what about that little story? That still wasn't doing much for me either. Like, I wanted to, to care about these people and, like, what was going on, but I just... Well, uh... no, I don't, I don't think it was... 
I don't think it's it's been intended to immediately, you know, care deeply I, about characters. I get that, but it, like that's what I'm used to with you know these other films. Like we immediately kind of met these characters and we're like, oh, he's silly. Oh, he's funny. He's you know has something interesting that I want to know more about. You know. So did you find I that just... with House of the Dragon then? Because you didn't, you know, you, 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 you haven't read Fire and Blood. You know, I, I, I did read Fire and Blood, so I was aware of of this, the entire but story. Of that, Dragon, but even the characters, the first episode, it was definitely me kind of feeling out the characters. So I didn't really get much from them in that first episode. But it wasn't until the second episode where I really kind of was seeing okay. the personalities of people and their dynamics and and you know the good in people and the kind of deceiving side of people and you know the fire in people and the emotion and so yeah i i the first episode was definitely kind of feelers out and then the second episode showed me kind of who these people are for sure but with this show so far i'm not getting much from the characters i think it felt definitely more focused on the scope of the world and and, and kind of reintroducing you to that place again and that was kind of more of the focus than actually kind of you know yeah. setting up interesting characters that you you know feel something for um but yeah i mean second episode for house of the dragon was where i was kind of starting to actually okay be interested in these characters second episode of this i'm still not there yet you know well maybe maybe because it was a double episode premiere yeah maybe we'll see if um you feel a little bit more, um, you know, identifying with with characters, or you feel a little bit more attached. Yeah. After after a third episode, we'll we'll see. Yes. This is not <laughs> me saying you have to enjoy this show. This is just me saying that I think this is what I wanted from this show. Okay. I think this enormous scale and maybe okay maybe a little bit distant feel is kind of what i wanted from it because it's a mythological fantasy world and and actually it's a, well it's a fantasy but it's the highest of high fantasy worlds yeah there's nothing there's never been anything created that's higher fantasy than middle earth yes and it is the mythologies and legends that are technically unwritten from that particular world it's not like it, it's so far away from you know from a song of ice and fire that and house of the dragon that is written down and you kind of just have to figure out if what has been written down is the real truth of it or not totally totally different styles of high fantasy worlds um which is why i think they've both been able to be very very successful but everything tolkien says is fact you know everything tolkien wrote down yeah is fact everything george martin writes down isn't fact it's interpretation of a character yeah you know it's what somebody else in the world may think had happened figure it out for yourself that's why i think Song of Ice and Fire intrigues so many people, and you can get really, really into, you know, the the goings on of the characters within it. 
I think the enjoyment from Rings of Power is going to come from the scale of it, the the very, very grand, big picture, kind of pure good and pure evil of it. And, you know, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, Song of Ice and Fire couldn't be further from that. There ain't no pure good and pure evil in Westeros. Everybody's just as bad as each other. They're just in different ways. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's who who is a who is an entirely honourable character that entirely does one hundred percent good things in Game of Thrones. Maybe Sam Tarly, but he still lies. He still goes against, you know, what his um, lords have told him to do. He's the nearest one that you can say. But even he's not entirely, you know, good. And if he's not entirely good, nobody is. So it's 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 like that. It's like that. And in this, Fair but enough. in Rings of Power, you know full well that Galadriel and Elrond are 100% wholehearted good. There's no evil in them whatsoever. They might yeah. be determined. They might be forthright they might be you know stern and firm but they're not going to be evil they are ultimately out to defeat pure evil, pure evil in its yeah. purest form mm-hmm. um and that's you know that has been morgoth um who has since apparently gone whether he will have gone or not it yeah. is you know, we can't say. And Sauron, who we obviously know, hasn't completely gone. Yeah. When does Sauron show up? What Appear. will Sauron yeah. be like? Is the meteor dude some sort <laughs> of Sauron? Man. We don't, yeah, know. don't know. We just don't know. These are the intrigue things. But that that dude falling out of the meteor is, is really kind of... Who is this? Yeah. yeah. Who is this person? This, this doesn't seem like something I'm familiar with in this world. So where's this because this go? is not yeah. this is not a person. This is a, a you know a a, a being. Yeah. Um, I forget that. I forget the name of the race now that Gandalf and Saruman and, and is, but they're the same race as Sauron. So they're just okay. these m- beings of matter that yeah. aren't that aren't technically humans. It's just when Gandalf came to Middle-earth, he found the form of a of a wizard. Yeah. That looked like a man, you know. Um so maybe maybe this dude's one of those. Maybe maybe this dude maybe. is is one of those three people that I just named. Perhaps. I would I would kind of hate if it was Gandalf, but it <laughs> Could Who's be. to say? Yeah. Who's to say? I think people will be up in arms about that. To be honest, I think the Tolkien uh, society. <laughs> the Tolkien but society. That's yeah. a thing. They, they call, I'm really? pretty sure they called the Tolkien society. Oh, okay. Um. You know, you can do Tolkien degrees at university. It's ridiculous. Oh, goodness. You can have a degree in Tolkien. It's it's crazy. Um, it's because there's so much to yeah. There's so much lore into. There's so, so much yeah. philosophy mm-hmm. about it. There's so much, so much law, so much 
you know, mysticism and yeah. like I said, philosophy. And that that's, I think, ultimately where it comes into play the most, isn't it? It's, it's based around philosophy. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, George Martin's world is massively philosophical. Yeah. I think it is very interpretive interpretative and i suppose <laughs> philosophy is interpretative interpretative yeah not in the real world i think it's very insular and i think middle earth is supposed to be i think middle earth supposed to be high fantasy and we in this world are supposed to look at it and interpret it and read it as we do but a song of ice and fire is you are within this world and the people within this world are interpreting it in different ways and you have to figure out which way you want to think about things based on all these things yeah like i said talking what Tolkien writes is fact and what george martin writes is just somebody else's opinion of something yeah all the time that's why the chapters in the books are all pov and that's why fire and blood is written from the point of view of a maester not just george martin yeah it's entirely interpretative and i like that but september of tolkien versus martin will it's on thunder <laughs> on yeah and i'm excited for both of them I really am excited for both, yeah. both of them. And a much nicer air date for Rings of Power. <laughs> yes. the show. Thank you, the Lord of the Rings, yeah. the Rings of Power. Yeah. But yes, it's exciting. I'm excited. I am not upset, but I understand, because I understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling on it yeah it was a i wish i was more lot. excited about it yeah but it was a know. hell of a lot i haven't given up on it so we'll see no and no and i think it would be unfair to but it was an awful lot an awful awful lot um and i think it's going to take a couple of you know explanation videos and things like that for me to get yeah, entirely, <laughs> you know, up to speed in entirely the, the yeah. you know consequences of what's happened so far, or the ideas of what's happened so far in the show. But yes, Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, Janine. Well, let's talk about some things that you <laughs> uh, can talk at length yes. about. <laughs> as we move into a little bit of a Let's Talk, because last week you saw lots of new movies. I've also been recently watching a bunch of new movies for me, not necessarily new releases, well, not at all new releases, but certainly new movies. So basically, this Let's Talk is going to be What Have We Watched Recently? Yes. Yeah. Um, on my birthday, I took advantage of my Regal Unlimited and I saw five mm -hmm. movies in, all day at the theater for my birthday. So just kind of went by myself and planned out my day of what I was going to see back to back to back. And yeah, I ended up seeing five whole movies in the day and it was just a nice day at the movie theater. So first movie I saw was The Invitation. 
So speaking of the world of Game of Thrones, we have a Natalie Emmanuel in this movie. Yes. Um, I should have seen. Of, I should have seen the invitation. I really should have seen the invitation. Yeah. So basically, if you saw the trailer, you it's pretty much all of the movie, <laughs> all of what it was. Um, I think it was trying to do like a Get Out, Ready or Not type thing. Okay. Um, without a lot of the substance and the nuance uh, it was very kind of surface level but there were some fun scares and some cool kind of makeup stuff and in general I liked the story um, the lead guy was this very kind of attractive mix of, of um, Michael Fassbender and um, Richard Madden, like so. Yes, a, a, a was... mix of Michael Fassbender <laughs> yes. and Richard Madden. Okay. Yes, so he was he was pretty. He was pretty to look at. He sounds it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah, in general, I liked the the story, um, but just very kind of surface, and the trailer kind of gives everything away, and then kind of everything, you know, the ending, of course, is kind of tied up in a nice little bow for you so you know characters kind of quickly switch motivations and then you you know and then you know it works out how it needs to work out you know i see. so no i see. so so yeah but overall you know i had fun with it so i i liked everything i saw and also i was kind of excited because it turned out everything i saw had like a black or a poc lead so it's kind of like a nice little situation okay. happening was this not done on purpose? This was just what happened? I, it was not on purpose. It was just kind of what was out, and it worked okay. out that way. And then I kind of realized, wait, every movie I've seen today has, like, a black lead or, like, a POC lead. Okay, I'm I'm digging this. Um, so, yeah, that's how I started. Well, yeah, today. I mean, is it not is it not nice to see that, that people like Natalie Emanuel are now getting lead roles? And yeah. even if it's even if it's kind of smaller horror movies it's yes, still got a I mean, big release it's still it was you know, number it, one this this that past yeah, weekend it's, so I mean, it's still a big know. movie and i like that she's got this these kind of roles and i hope long may this continue for her because yeah, I just she was think she's she great. was great in the movie she was good in the movie um like the 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 location was really beautiful and i yeah like the the core of the story i thought was a really kind of fun thing and yeah like i said definitely kind of trying to be this combination of get out and ready or not um but yeah definitely not as nuanced as as those films um very okay. kind of surface level you know horror kind of situation but uh, overall yeah i i had fun with it and i liked who was in it and pretty pretty man was in it. And pretty man was in it. <laughs> yes. Uh so yeah. This would but... work really well, wouldn't it, though, for, for <laughs> both me and you, because you'd be gushing over this gentleman. And, and you'd be, be gushing. Yes, over Natalie. Yes. Um, yes. So I don't know if you want to talk about something you watched and kind of go back and forth or just that like kind of go sense. through yes, all five of the movies. <laughs> that would make sense. I mean, five yes. movies in one day is I mean, I was going for expensive. four and then I kind of decide well no regal unlimited dude. regal unlimited yes but no i, I mean extensive not expensive oh, oh i thought you said expensive no extensive it's it's a lot of movies in one day 
it's but it's like it was a monday so it was very quiet there was nobody nah, there well, it was nice. just you know it's very hot weather here so it was just nice and it's just sit in a cool place you know you have your little drink you have your little snack you sit and just you know it's it's like film therapy you know all the things going on in your day-to-day life you yeah. just kind of like spend the day in imaginary worlds and you know and not having to think about what's going on in your actual life so it yeah. was nice it was a nice kind of film therapy type situation to kind of just bounce from world to world to world and yeah you know and it was quiet and just you know good i like very that. relaxing i like yes. that well no i haven't seen any of the new releases because i don't know i have no excuse i have no <laughs> excuse i don't know why i just i um I tend to be choosier, don't I, in new releases yeah. than you are, Janine. But I have been watching um, a good many of my uh, of my Blu-rays and things like that of um, movies that are are new to me. The first one I wanted to bring up was uh, The Mob from nineteen fifty, okay. um, with Broderick Crawford and. I, I mean, I really, really liked this movie. I've been watching a, a lot of those uh, Columbia Noir sets okay. lately, and the you know the movies from those. I've I've yeah. blasted through Volume One and Volume Two of them now. Um, and this is really one of the highlights of of all those. There's so so there's been twelve movies. Uh, there's six in each volume. So, and this was really one of the highlights for me. Cool. Um. He's a Broderick Crawford is a police officer who gets discharged after kind of after basically arresting the wrong person and it, it doesn't look good for him and to kind of cover up any bad press they just get rid of him but they get rid of him under pretenses that's just what they tell the press they don't actually get rid of them they send him undercover to the docks to like the you know to Mm -hmm. to work on the docks because the docks are being run by organized crime they're being run by this big boss figure and he has to go and kind of try and find out what's What's going going on on there while while being undercover while pretending to just be a, a criminal himself so he can get Ooh. in with um, yeah with the bad with guys this, and figure out what's the, going with on with this gang figure out okay. what's going on um and it was a really 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 well structured movie i i really really enjoyed it um you know broderick crawford had been somebody that i'd only actually seen in born yesterday which is clearly not what Broderick Crawford's actually best at. Yeah. Broderick Crawford's definitely best at noir when he's kind of... uh, But, like, tough guy noir. Because he's not sleek or or slick or witty or anything like that. No, He's he's a big kind of brute guy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, so he... You know, he seems to come across as, as this dock worker pretty well. But he's a loudmouth. He's playing up this loudmouth nature of him to to get in with the the, the mob, basically. Yeah. Um, and he does that. But it's it's got really good, 
reveals in there really good kind of I'm, I, I won't i won't spoil the movie because i feel like it, it its effect will be taken away if i did um it's very very it's kind of twisty yeah it's kind of twisty yes it's one of these b noir movies sure but i think it's a little bit elevated to that i think it's a really well put together movie oh, a really well like it has some really movie, interesting really, really well written movie um very much a um power to the people kind of movie as well like because okay. you get these dot workers who are just being exploited yeah by the mob and just oh you have to pay you know four dollars for jimmy's Jimmy's broken his arm. We're paying. Oh, I didn't know Jimmy. Pay yeah. four dollars. You know. It's, yeah. If I pay four dollars. I can't eat. You know. Yeah. Things like this. Pay four dollars. Otherwise, you know, you got a gun in your back. Oh goodness. It, it's one of these kind of situations. Okay. So that's um, definitely a lot of layers happening. Okay. Yeah, and they're all like be. That. It's all being run by the one figurehead who you never, well, you never meet until you meet them. Oh. Um. And when you do meet them, it's quite uh, interesting. And it, it did make me make this noise. Oh. Which I always <laughs> okay. like to make in a movie. Okay. When, you know, kind of a, a twist or a reveal yeah. or something like that happens. It's, it was very exciting. But no, I... Uh, it was the first... Like, like I said, it was the first time I think I've ever seen Broderick Crawford do what he's actually best at doing. So I, I I enjoyed it for that. Okay. I enjoyed it a lot for that. Nice. The Mob from 1950 is a is a nice. really really good movie. I would okay. definitely, you know, go and go and seek it out if I were you. Okay. Yes. Um, Sounds very interesting. I did watch it a while ago now, so I can't, you know, remember far far too many details. But it's very fun because it's kind of this police movie as well as being you know a very one man movie because yeah. he's undercover and it's all this the tension of being undercover will people find out he's undercover because sometimes people seem like they kind of know he's undercover there's this one other dot worker guy who we find out is actually undercover for somebody else but they're yeah. kind of on the same side, but there's a time like a third of the way through the movie where they think, you know, where Broderick Crawford thinks that this other dot worker guy is actually the leader of the whole thing. Oh my gosh. But it turns out that this other guy's actually just undercover for another, what? you know, <laughs> criminal, um, okay. so uh, for another, um, police organization type thing, for another law organization. Yeah. yeah looking for the same dude yeah. that Roderick Crawford's looking for. Yeah. Um, so they kind of become, you know, somewhat partners in it. There's there's a quite hilarious scene of, uh, I think it's where or this other guy and Broderick Crawford go on this, like, double date that's set up by this other guy. Um, but it's set up by this other guy because this other guy thinks Broderick Crawford is the leader. Um, oh, it's like Roderick Crawford thinks the other guy's the leader, and this other guy thinks he's the so leader. So it's all this kind of back and forth of um, knowing who's who. And... So they set, so he sets them up on this kind of double date with the other guy's wife and his sister, and he say, you know, and he says to to Roderick Crawford, "Okay, you take 
he doesn't call her my sister, but you take like Doris or whatever yeah. she's called. Um, and I'll take, he's like, oh no, I want the blonde. I, I want the blonde. He's like, and the, the other guy has to shut up because, you know, he has to let him yeah. you know, go on a date with his wife because yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he can't, can't reveal, reveal anything. Yeah. It's, so yeah, it's a good movie. It's a really, okay. really good movie. And I enjoyed that. I've been watching a lot of noir lately, like I said, and that was one of that was definitely one of the highlights. Well, it sounds like a good one. Sounds like a lot of layers and yeah. things happening, and yeah. I won't well. waffle on about the rest of them. <laughs> well, I realized I didn't even really kind of give a synopsis for the invitation, just kind of roughly um, before I move on to my second movie. Uh, yeah, and Natalie Emmanuel, she lives in New York. She's like just kind of like an artist. She, her mother recently has passed. And so she decides to take this, you know, 23andMe type DNA kind of test. She sends it in. She gets a hit that she has a cousin. So she meets the cousin. He's really excited to meet her. He said he's told all the whole family about her. And there's this big family wedding happening in the UK. So, you know, they're very rich and fancy. So he flies her out there to go to this wedding. She's meeting all the family. She meets the man who owns the manor where the wedding's happening. He's hosting it. And they kind of spark up a kind of romance. And uh, But people are starting to act really weird. And she doesn't know what's going on. And like, you know, every kind of event, she's waiting to meet the bride and groom. But they're never at any of these events. So she's kind okay. of just not knowing what's going on until it is revealed kind of what is really happening at this manor and why she's there. Okay. Um, and yeah, then that's where you kind of get your horror. So it builds nice. to kind of like this big kind of horror reveal. But yeah, the trailer totally gives away that horror reveal. Uh, I'm thankful so, I haven't seen the trailer. Yes. So yes. Um, so that's kind of the basis for that movie. But the second movie I saw was Beast, the Idris Elba fights a lion movie. <laughs> <laughs> was the Idris Elba fights a lion movie as ridiculous as it sounds? Um, they, I think they tried to actually make it feel pretty grounded. It was just kind of like, like African Cujo. <laughs> African Cujo. Yeah. So okay. he's his father. He has two like teenage daughters. Their mother has just passed. And so, you know, she grew up, um, in Africa. And so he takes them back there to kind of, you know, uh, see where she, you know, places that she loved to take photographs and Charlotte Copley's okay. in it. So he gets to use his South African accent. Or oh, is it in South Africa? It's then South, is South Africa, yeah. So they take, you know, they go back there to kind of see where the mom was from and kind of see her roots. And he's he he's like a wildlife kind of, um, not a hunter, but like he's a wildlife kind of guy who like, you know, yeah. takes care of the lions and yeah. like works on the preserves. And, and so he's showing them the different animals. And, you know, there's a whole scene of him going up and like, you know play fighting with the lions because he's you he know okay. very well um so as they're kind of going through um looking at things a man kind of comes out of the woods all bloody and um and they kind of come across a whole town like he's going to this town to kind of warn them about what's going on but the this lion has killed everyone in the town it's, it's killed yeah. a small village of people um and so now they don't know what to do because, yeah, this this lion is not acting like a normal lion. Like, this lion is very aggressive. So then they kind of explain that, like, poachers are there and, and hunters have been killing lions and killing off their whole pack. So when a lion is kind of out without its whole pride, yeah. it kind of changes its DNA to kind of have to adapt and and kind of 
goes off a, on one goes off and yeah and gets in a very defensive mode because yeah. it, it it's now alone um so that's kind of what happened to this lion to where now it's just like a killing machine and just okay. brutalizing so so yeah they kind of get stuck on the road with this lion kind of creeping around and so it's like them you know having to take care of injuries and they don't have a working car or working radio and they have to try to figure yeah. out how to get out of the so basically cujo yeah, I, I, I assume that's the rest of the movie then. It's yeah, just kind so, of the survival against this lion. Yeah, so definitely good tension, some solid action, nothing like spectacular. Um, but, you know, like a fun kind of just action kind of suspense, uh, yeah. you know, animal movie. So animal attack movie. Nice. Okay. So yeah, and, uh, I I enjoyed it. Nothing, nothing that I was like, oh my gosh, I have to see it again, kind of movie. But you know, for what it was, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. So okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but also some really dumb kind of decisions made by people as well. Like, you know, you got to be quiet. This line is expect. around, but I'm gonna be honking the horn. Like, what? brilliant. Yes. What are you doing? <laughs> you <know? laughs> So, you, yeah. you you're getting very frustrated with certain characters certain, in this movie. yeah so but yeah but overall yeah uh, just a kind of fun monster i guess you know creature feature kind of you know animal attack kind of movie so okay yeah well then i mean the next one i wanted to talk about was was a movie called tight spot from 1955 this oh. is ginger rogers and Ooh. brian keith is it a dancing and movie? No, it's not a dancing. Mm -hmm. Ginger Rogers much more than a dancer. I am aware, but I've only seen Ginger Rogers dancing. Well, yes, I mean this, and this is understandable. Um, but yeah, basically, Ginger Rogers plays a prisoner who is brought out of prison temporarily and put up in a hotel because she's going to, or, or under the guys that she's going to testify against a mob boss this okay. is a noir movie again it's the 50s everything resolves around some sort of organized crime. yeah situation um brian keith's one of the kind of law officials um but she keeps refusing to testify they didn't tell her why they were bringing her out of prison and putting her up in this hotel yeah because she wouldn't have agreed to come in the first place if they'd have told her. And it's kind of this situation where they are taking too long to tell her why she's going to do it. And she keeps saying, oh, I think you guys want me to testify against this guy. You do, don't you? Like, um, mm -hmm, no, if you want to, do you want yeah. to testify? No, I don't want to testify. And they're just all like, oh, for God's sake, she's the only one who can testify. We've got to keep her here. <laughs> yeah. But it's also this kind of, it's a mix of like a fun rom-com because there's really good okay. fun rom-com types of back and forth between Brian Keith okay. and, I know I like and Ginger Rogers. <laughs> and Brian Keith, someone as well who only recently I've come to admire more, because the only thing I'd actually seen him in for for a, a long while was the original Parent Trap, oh, where yeah. he's the, you know, he's the guy that they try and set a, you know, set the mother up with. Who? Oh, the dad. Oh, the dad. Well, the, the guy that they try I'm and like, set the mother up like, with. Is I there some about? other random guy who wasn't like no, just the dad? The dad. Yeah, he's the dad. 
Um, and I don't remember liking him at all. No, me in the either. original Parent didn't Trap. Didn't like him either. But I watched him in in a movie Five Against the House, which is a a little bit more of a. It's almost like a college crime slash comedy noir movie where Brian Keith's got like Korean War PTSD, but he's in college and he tries to, you know, he's a, there's a group of them. They try and rob a, a casino in Reno, actually. They try, they try and rob a casino in Reno. Um, and he just takes it one step, one step too far because of his kind of PTSD that he's got. And he was really good in that movie. He was like really, he was the, by far the most dramatically capable person in that entire movie. Okay. Um, and I really liked him in Tight Spot as well as this more romantic leading man, but also still a, a, a lead in a noir. Um, because that's basically this whole movie. There's there's mob uh, trying to come after Ginger Rogers to make sure she doesn't testify. There's people trying to sneak in this hotel room because word might have gotten out that she's there. And yes, she's being constantly protected yeah. by police and by guards and by Brian Keith and by Brian Keith's boss. Um but they obviously don't want her to testify because their whole organization will go down if she does. Down, yeah. But she's just this fun loving kind of crazy person <laughs> who's just kind of dancing about all the time. There's yeah. one scene when her sister comes in, uh, they've not had a good relationship. They have a bit of an argument. Um, I think her sister's ashamed of her because, oh, she's been in prison, but Ginger Rogers yeah. bites back. Well, you know, look at you and your boring life. What have life, you done yeah. on all these things? Okay. You know, and it's kind of like that. Um, Ginger Rogers is really, really good in this movie. Okay. Really, really good in tight spot. Um, I don't think I liked it as much as I liked the mob. mob but... Okay. but it's certainly a a bit of a lighter movie as well, because I think the mob is quite typically noir. Yeah, it feels, it's the, the description you gave it was like very much layers of like tense situations yeah. of, you know, Spider-Man's pointing at each other. You know? A little bit, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but this, uh, yeah. no, that was, it, was, it was a fun movie. And yeah, yeah. like I said, just a, another movie that showed me that, um, that Brian Keith is a is a is an actor to admire because I already knew obviously that Ginger Rogers was, and Ginger I always I like Ginger Rogers anyway. Yeah, yeah. Tight Spot, okay. nineteen fifty five. Nice. Okay. Well, my third movie of the day was Breaking, um, a movie with John Boyega, um, Michael K. Williams' final film before he died. Oh. Um, Basically, it's just kind of a man pushed to the brink. Uh, he is a, a vet, like a veteran, and yeah. he's just kind of like struggling. Like we just open the movie with him, just you know, he has a like a little flip phone that he only has a few minutes on to talk to his daughter, and he's yeah. trying to get. You know, we see him like I think the movie opens with him sitting on a curb, having just been like arrested and like thrown out of somewhere. Um, um, so basically like he's trying to get his disability check from the VA and they like, you know, do have done all these loopholes to where, oh, well, no, you had like outstanding, uh, um, 
fees on on your courses so mm. your disability checks being taken out for that yeah and he's like well no that's not how that should work like I, you know, need this disability check. I need my money to take care of my, you know, my daughter and, and my and my wife and, you know, and they refuse to give it to him. So then I think he kind of makes a scene in the VA and they end up arresting him and throwing him out. Um, so we see him kind of living in a hotel and, um, you know, as he's kind of going to his room, the, the hotel person's telling him like, Hey guy, like you better pay your rent. So like we, we, they set up that he's yeah. really struggling and he really needs this money. And the VA is just kind of screwing him over and like, just a very kind of interesting commentary on like these people fight for their country and then look how you treat them. Yeah. You make all these loopholes to where they can't even get disability money that they need to survive. So he ultimately ends up holding up this bank. He says he has a bomb. Uh, he lets, you know, everyone leave except two tellers, kind of the two kind of senior tellers. And one teller, she kind of, are, she notices kind of what's happening. So she's already kind of getting people out. So it ends up just being the three of them in there. And Michael K. Williams is the, the, the negotiator that comes and tries to talk things through with him. And he, you know, John Boyega is like, he, he's like, fairly certain he's going to die that day it's based on a true story this this was a real person this really happened okay um you know he's fairly certain he's going to die michael k williams is determined to you know genuinely get him out of this alive um and you know he just and like even the bank tellers are like you know whatever you want we'll just we'll just put the money in your account whatever it was we'll put it in your account he's like no i need I need people to see this. I need the news to see this. I need people out there. I need fire trucks. I yeah. need people to see that this is what the VA does to their vets. This is what the VA does okay. to people. So yeah, it wasn't, it was all kind of a matter of principle for him. It wasn't about the money at a certain point. He needed the world to see that this is how America treats their veterans. That's a very commentary move. Yes. Then. Yes. That the VA needs to, the VA needs, needs to be the one to give me this money. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, you're feeling for this guy who's going through this. Um, these tellers are kind of scared, but also kind of sympathizing with him in a way. But they're also scared because he's saying he has this bomb. Michael K. Williams oh. is trying to sympathize with him and understand what he's going through because he also is a vet as well. So they kind of bond over that. And you can tell he's really just trying to get him out of the situation. And you kind of just tension of like, is he going to get out of this? You see him on the phone talking to his daughter, all of these things. So it's just like a really great bill. John Boyega gives a really great performance. I feel like this movie probably should have been released in like the fall season if they really kind of wanted to get Oscar attention on it. Okay. But because like all these movies I saw that day were just definitely movies that probably should have been released in the fall time. These were not movies yeah. that should have been released at the tail end of summer because they were not really kind of summer blockbustery kind of movies. Particularly this one. It was a very kind of quiet, simple movie, very short. It ended like when you least expect it to end. Okay. Um, and so, and then also just knowing that it's based on a true story is just kind of like a really interesting commentary on how how, you know, vets are treated in this in this country so yeah john boyega really gives a strong performance really just makes me sad that michael k williams is no longer with us because he he was great in this movie he really you know made you feel like he cared about this guy and um yeah so really just solid kind of tense 
quiet film, very simple, straightforward film, kind of, you know, a bottle episode type movie just taking okay. place in one location, and but very interesting and intriguing. And I really liked Breaking. So you've, you've uh, definitely gone for a good mix of movies. Yeah, on this day, I think <laughs> I try. Um, <laughs> no, less so of what I'm doing, really. Like you're kind of just, just another noir, another noir. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the next movie I wanted to to talk about was Murder by Contract Ooh. from 1958. Okay. Vince Edwards. Um, that is probably. Probably the best made of those three movies that I've that I've made that I've named so far. Okay. Um, to be fair, probably the best made of of all four movies that I'm going to talk about. Um, I still think I preferred the Mob to this, but it really, really was an interesting movie. It's basically about a hitman. Um, you know, a a, a hitman for hire. Yeah. Um, who has his own you know, struggles in life. You get these kind of taxi driver-esque training scenes okay. at the beginning of the movie where he's kind of just doing press-ups in his own apartment and yeah. looking at himself in the mirror okay. and things like that. The Blu-ray actually does come with an introduction by Scorsese who says as much Ooh, that he took that a he lot kind of took from that. this Ooh, movie. Okay. Um, but he's a really, really interesting character because he seems pretty cold emotionless and just kind of you see him at the beginning of the movie go you know through a couple of hits and then actually take out one of the guys that who, who's been giving him jobs because yeah. his boss told him to take him out yeah um so he's absolutely just he's kind of this cold-hearted cold-blooded killer for hire um i.e. the title Murder by Contract. Yes, <laughs> pretty straightforward. But then has this uh, bigger hit to do, bigger job to do. He goes to, he travels to L.A. And there's, again, it's this situation of, is it, yeah, it's somebody who's going to testify oh against <laughs> the mob. The mob, yeah. But this is the other way of tight spot, where, where tight spot was about protecting that figure. This is about trying to get rid of that figure because oh, okay. this uh, this person who, who's you know going to testify because the tr this trial date's been set, and Vince Edwards goes to L.A. There's these two guys waiting for him who are clearly part of you know the organization. Yeah, who he then spends the rest of the movie with. And these two are kind of a little bit bumbling, a little bit silly. They're a little bit of comedic relief to the movie. Yeah. Um, which I really kind of appreciated that <laughs> dynamic between them two and Vince Edwards, who is really just cold and calculated and he does what he was. And they keep saying to each other, we have to trust him. He's a genius. We, you, you know, we've been told he's a genius. We have to trust him. He's like, oh, let's just go to the beach. Why are we going to the beach? What? The beach isn't where we should be going. No, we have to go to the beach. Just He wants to go to the beach. Let's drive him to the beach. And they're, they're all 
yeah. like this. They're just letting him absolutely do what he needs to do to plan because he's the best at what he does. Um, he finds out that the person he has to kill is a woman, and his attitude's oh, completely changed. Different, yeah. Um, but his attitude's completely changed in not a way you would think. He doesn't say like, um, "Oh no, I, I, I don't kill women. I kill men. I don't, you know, I don't kill yeah. women. I don't kill children." It's not kind of one of those things. He immediately gets on the phone when he finds out it's a woman and demands more money because oh. he doesn't like women and they are yeah. more difficult to kill. Yes, that's so what, that's what he says. Okay, that's that's kind of surprising. Um, He's got this really weird attitude about it. It's like, they're more difficult to kill. They move more. They're more unpredictable. Oh, my gosh. I want more money. They ultimately kind of go through with the, you know, with trying to pull off the job. Yeah. In several different ways, they end up, because this woman is a former... Uh, star piano player she's really wealthy she lives in you know the hills in LA um she's got this ridiculously heavily guarded house because like the like tight spot everybody knows this is basically the opposite of tight spot like I said everybody knows that the mob the organization she's going to testify against will be after her so yeah. the entire police force is just on her house trying to protect her at all points she never leaves the house but they're there on like this uh hill ridge miles and you know, it seems like miles away just with binoculars yeah. just watching the house looking for any movement seeing checking out her routine yeah and all this kind of thing um they first try and explode her television that doesn't kill. That doesn't kill her. They try a couple of different, a couple of other different ways of trying to do it, and he's really struggling. He's never taken more than one try to kill someone. Oh, wow, okay. he's really struggling Sounds to find like a way wild of killing target. <laughs> a little bit to find a way of killing this, you know, this target. Um, and he he refuses to use guns as well he doesn't like guns so he uses like knives and ropes and, kind of and things thing, yeah. like that um like, like weird explosive devices sure yeah but he, he he's no against guns as well up until he has to admit that kind of might have to be done with a gun yeah but then he ends up shooting the wrong person <laughs> Also, wild target. <laughs> he ends up shooting the wrong person. Oh, it doesn't necessarily end particularly well for Vince Edwards, but obviously, all throughout this movie, this trial date is coming up, and the two bumbling figures around him are really panicking about this trial date. Yeah. So you get this tension as well of he's trying his best. He's this to genius. And he just can't kill this woman. But he cannot kill her. He cannot oh kill gosh. her. That's like kind of funny. Um, it's a little bit darkly funny, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's played very, very, very intensely. Okay. I really liked that okay. movie as well. I like that. Yes. Okay. Well, the fourth movie I ended up seeing was 3,000 Years of Longing. 
uh, my second Idris Elba movie of the day. Um, Basically, uh, Tilda Swinton, she plays like this person who studies narration. She like lectures about it. She's a very kind of studious um, person. Um, So she does these lectures. She knows all about kind of storytelling and narration. And that's kind of her line of study. Um, she's in a uh, Turkey uh, for a conference and she goes to like this little shop and finds this like burnt, uh, glass blown little bottle and she decides to take it or buy it. So she goes back to her hotel. She's kind of cleaning it off and as she's kind of rubbing it and scrubbing it, a genie pops out or a gin. A genie. Yes, but a gin. A gin. And it's Idris Elba. So then, you know, he grants her three wishes and, you know, her being somebody who's a very kind of literary person, somebody who knows about narrative and stories. She's like, you know, any kind of story that deals with wishes is always kind of like a morality tale. It's always kind of a cautionary tale. So how do I know like any kind of wish I'm going to, is not going to end in tragedy for me. And he like wants her to make these three wishes because he can't be free until she makes yeah. these wishes because so then she kind of wants some kind of context on his story and how he got here and so this is like his third time being trapped so he ends up going through like the first two times of how he like got trapped it, the first time he got trapped in the bottle and became a uh, you know this kind of you know figure to grant these wishes in the first place and then his release and then him getting trapped again so he ends up just kind of narrating and telling her the stories of his life and how he ended up um, in the bottle several times and things he had to do to kind of get his get out of this situation. And he talks about how, you know, throughout time, there were beings that found him that he helped that he also kind of fell in love with as well. Okay. Um, and so she kind of wants some context before she makes her wishes. Um so then ultimately that helps her decide on what her first wish is. And um, so, yeah, I don't want to get into too much of like, you know, what happens in the movie, but yeah. again, another movie that I think would have been perfect for fall because, you know, these are two great actors. Um, this movie's a lot of fun. It's directed by George Miller, who has probably okay. the most eclectic filmography ever. Yeah. Um and it's a really kind of fun magical story. The CGI is really weird. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's really bad. Like she's like standing there in her hotel room. And when she first releases Idris Elba, he's like huge behind her. But it, it looks very much obvious, like old school green screen that, you know, she's oh. her, her normal self is standing in like large Idris Elba behind her. Feels very, very green screen. It like, really doesn't bad. seem like the kind of movie those two would do no but it, it's you know the kind of magical elements the the yeah. storytelling aspect of it is played really nice you're really kind of interested in his story and kind of she's interested in his story so you're just kind of sitting there with her listening and and he's kind of talking about his lost love that he he's dealt with over the time and and trying to get people to um there's a certain point where the person who he was granting wishes to kind of screws up her wishes and doesn't make her third wish. So then he gets trapped and cursed to be invisible. So he can't even make himself known to anybody. Like, here's my bottle. 
get it so I can, you know, be released. So he's just trapped for years and years being completely unseen. So, yeah, yeah, he's just kind of sharing his story with Tilda Swinton and she's getting this context so that she can finally decide what she wants her wishes to be. Um, And he's kind of just anxiously waiting because, yeah, she he can't be free until somebody does their three wishes because he always gets to a certain point where, you know, people make their wishes, but either they don't get to the third one or the third one is kind of like messes everything up or so yeah it, it's kind of telling his story and then their story together um because she's like this lonely woman she has no family she has no kid she has no husband she's kind of lonely okay. so this is kind of like this new discovery for her and she's at first she's really not open to it she's like i have everything i need i don't need anything i'm content with my books and my learning and you know and then in kind of hearing his stories of longing and love she kind of is like thinking that you know of things that she might want out of life you know at a certain point but she needs him to kind of talk to her about his stories because she you know doesn't really have you know the desire for any of those things until she kind of hears him talk about it so yeah it's a very kind of fun magical fairy tale of a story um and i really enjoyed that one um so but yeah i definitely think it should have been released in the fall because i don't think it did very well. I don't think it's doing very well, but I really mm. think people should see it because I think it's a really kind of fun fairy tale type story. So okay. and, great, and great performances from the two of them. So Okay, nice. Yes. Well, <laughs> the last movie I wanted to talk about was uh, Seven Sinners. This oh. is a they're not a noir movie. This okay. is a Marlene <laughs> Dietrich movie oh, from nineteen forty. Okay. Um that's obviously kind of it's got its Marlena Dietrich musical numbers oh, in there. Oh, okay. it romancy romance in there. Her male lead, her romantic partner in this movie is actually John Wayne. Oh, um, interesting. Wouldn't this, put them together. <laughs> no, this is when she was at Universal. This is in the in the kind of early forties. Okay. But. I love I love Mar- Marlene Dietrich. I watched this movie as a palate cleanser from all the noir, and it, it, ah, it served its purpose as doing that. It's very much a vehicle. It's very much a you you know what you're going to get, and you get what you get. Yeah. Um, with the movie, and it satisfies you in that way. Um, but basically, Marlene Dietrich's playing a kind of a singer, uh, uh, like a nightclub singer who tours around like Pacific islands because yeah. she keeps getting deported for causing too much ruckus. <laughs> um, because the end, every man she possibly comes across, is just head over heels for her, obviously. Oh, of course. Yeah. So every one of these little islands are just like, no, we're not having you here. You're causing too much fuss and disruption oh, yeah. and chaos, mm-hmm. you know, Every one of these guys on these islands are just running around, you know, crashing around, fighting, breaking stuff, destroying places because she's just this desirable um, that she keeps getting deported. So she keeps just moving from island to island to island to island. So she ends up going back to this um, island that she actually used to be at a long time ago. Um, where people are, or the the nightclub owner 
is a little bit terrified of her. I mean, he loves her because she brings so much business. Yeah. But he's a little bit like, oh, God, you're back. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yes, <laughs> this is great, but oh, God, no. Yeah. He's a little bit like that. Um, the Navy's there, so she, she kind of falls in love with uh, John Wayne. It's a very simple movie, obviously, but just satisfying as a Marlena Dietrich vehicle. The most hilarious part of it is the fact that Broderick Crawford, who you know, I just watched a week before in The Mob, is the biggest head-over-heels-in-love himbo possible in this movie. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, I can't even describe how much he's just like, He's just so stupid and puppy dog love heart eyes all the yeah. time, ready to just punch anybody who says anything mean about Marlena Dietrich possible. Oh my gosh. But he and himbo is the perfect description for him in this in this movie. He's simple, he's kind of lovable, and he's just a brute who just wants to smash things around and go, he can't, like, he, there's jokes about the fact that he, he takes, like, five minutes to read a sentence. <laughs> things like that. And he literally talks like this throughout no. the movie. And it's, it's just, oh, God, they're really going for town on him. Oh, no. But he was kind of hilarious. <laughs> hey, you don't say nothing nice about her, I'll punch you in the face it's literally like this kind oh of my gosh he's a big bohunk oh my god he is a big bohunk in that movie yes and all nice. the while he's just carrying marlena's suitcases and bags and hats and coats just behind her pushing everybody else out the way oh he's he's like her right hand man so he's, he's like bane and batman and robin a little bit yes but he is 100% like her, he, she, you know, she, he goes wherever she goes, and she just brings him along. Okay. Um, but he won't let anybody else, like, touch her or go near her, or even when she's performing, he's kind of following a step behind. He's like a shadow. He's kind of following a step behind, going, don't, don't touch him, pushing people out of the way and smacking people. Okay. And just, like, go away, get away, make yeah. way, make way, and it's just... It would be, it's the kind of character that I just imagine most people were like when it came to big movie stars of the time. And just yeah. utter, utter adoration of them. Well, it sounds also like, I don't know if you remember the animated movie we did, Cats Don't Dance, where our kind of Shirley Temple figure Darla Dimple had this ridiculous, dopey butler kind of character named Max, who was like her enforcer. Oh, like vaguely, that. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vaguely. A little bit, yeah. It is It is very much like that. But, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a subplot of Broderick Crawford trying to get back into the Navy because he was discharged from the Navy. I, I forget yeah. why. Um, so he's kind of trying to get in with John Wayne and, and, you know, help out. And he sets John Wayne up with Marlena to get himself back in the Navy and this kind of thing. Yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. And just, I always like watching new Marlena Dietrich movies as well. Yeah, she's great. Yes. That's the final one I wanted to talk okay. about anyway. 
Well, I was going to see the four movies and then I saw there was a movie, one more I could make that day. So I decided to squeeze in one last film and that was Bodies, 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 which is basically like a Gen Z murder mystery movie. Yes, Um, I'm actually, I actually do want to see that. It's not out here yet. uh, No, I had a lot of fun with this movie. I really liked it. Um, uh, It was just really funny like lee pace like lee pace needs to do more lee pace great yeah because like one of these girls yeah one of these girls is like uh, like dating this older man that she met on like tinder or something so she brings him along and pete davidson which i haven't seen a lot of pete davidson really in anything i didn't watch the king of staten island or anything like that so this was kind of the first time of me seeing him like outside of snl or outside dating random people um (laughs) so uh yeah he was pretty good in this um definitely felt very much of gen z culture just the language and how they kind of relate to each other maybe it'll annoy me then no but it was it's kind of mocking it but also kind of embracing it um and it it it's it's really smart in how they kind of handle these characters and this type of this culture and um it's really funny uh it's kind of suspenseful like there's it, it, it's a boiling point it's almost like lord of the flies-esque in oh, the fact okay. that like nobody knows because it kind of starts with you know all these friends at this big fancy house and they're gonna have a hurricane party so they just want to have a big hard party at this house while a hurricane's going on outside and they decide to play this game bodies 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 where each person draws a paper and whoever has the x on their paper they're the killer and so they have to kind of, you know, they turn off all the lights. They just have flashlights. And if you're the killer, you tap somebody on the shoulder and they they end up dead. Okay. But So they're playing this game and they kind of establish that whenever they play this game, someone always gets upset or cries or it turns into a drama, but they decide to play anyway. Um, ultimately, it's a big debate and they kind of once the first person is killed and they decide who the killer is. And so that kind of started a little bit of heated arguments where truth about certain things with like some of the couples that are there Mm. kind of come out. So some tensions already there and then they kind of stop playing the game. They're just kind of chilling. And then somebody ends up dead for real. And so then it's kind of like this, who did it? And everyone's paranoid and bringing up, kind of old grievances and blaming each other for stuff and bringing up old emotions and kind of fighting. And um, so it's like really kind of high tension drama, just bickering and you just don't know who the killer is. And so that builds the tension there, but all done with kind of like Gen Z language and, you know, kind of their attitudes towards things and like, it really might annoy me because I, I really thought it sounded like <laughs> such an interesting movie, but I didn't no. realize it was in heavy dialect. No, but it, no, it's it's really funny how they use it. Um, like one of the girls, like somebody ends up dead, and at this point, Lee Pace's character has gone to bed. So they're like, "You brought this guy here, and we don't know who he is, and you know it could be him." And so, like, instead of like just kind of going to see she's like calling out to him and they're like shut up like why are you calling for him like he could be the killer and you're calling for him and like she won't shut up so they cover her her mouth and she's like stop it stop it you're silencing me you're silencing me god (laughs) yeah and like in relation to like somebody talks about how they have 
um like you know they're dealing with a drug habit or like some very kind of serious like bipolar mm. and then this other girl's like oh i totally relate i have body dysmorphia so just like you know <laughs> just like okay. so out okay. of touch i, I, kind I of, get it i yeah, get it out of touch kind of you know seriousness from a gen yes. z person for things yeah. that like really don't need to be serious but yeah this group of friends who have known each other forever in their paranoia of trying to figure out who this killer is like their true colors kind of come out they're really starting to kind of like come at each other with just old grievances and and things that they've been mad about but kind of been just hiding all this time and um just all kind of suspecting each other so then there's that paranoia like the lord of the flies type kind of vibe yeah. so yeah a gen z lord of the flies murder mystery kind okay. of situation happening so it's a lot of fun it's funny very much like it'll keep you guessing once the reveal kind of happens on you know who the killer is and all of that it's very kind of like what okay, okay. so okay. yeah it was it had some great surprises really funny really smart kind of uh new era kind of horror film but i think it's i think it's more classified as like a murder mystery i'd say okay than a, than a straight up horror do you think that's that was the favorite one of what you saw i'd say yes that was my favorite then the three thousand years of longing then breaking then invitation because i just kind of had fun with that one and that very cute man <laughs> and then beast <laughs> okay okay nice well uh do we have time for a little bit of fun and games janine we seem to be on a long episode today. i know what we so talked much. about for so long but yes um, should we yeah, do a we little can, bit of fun and games we can do a little bit of fun and game sure because i think what we do have is a few fantasy movie trivia questions in honor of the rings of power yes we have a few fantasy movie trivia questions for each other i think we have five each janine yes five each um you like to go first as you always do like yes. to go first, don't you because you're, you're you're so insistent on the fact that you go first <laughs> but yes i suppose we we should we just Get straight yeah, on let's crack fun on. and games. Okay, let's crack on. <laughs> fun and games. Five questions. Fantasy movies. Question number one for Janine. Who plays Prince Caspian in The Chronicles of Narnia? Prince Caspian. Oh my gosh. Barnes. What's his first name? Barnes, right? Barnes. Uh... Bookie Barnes. <laughs> no. I, I think put that in my head. <sighs> I don't oh. remember his first name. No. Oh. My friend Carla's like in love with him. So let's see. In know. love with him. Yeah. Barnes. I think it is Bucky Barnes. And now my brain wants to say Troy Barnes, but that's like Troy Barnes from Community. <laughs> it's not Troy Barnes from Community. <laughs> It's also not the Winter Soldier. I know. I don't know. I'm just going to say Richard Barnes because I don't remember his first name. Richard Barnes is incorrect. It is Ben. Ben, ben Barnes. Barnes. Boo. Ben Barnes. 
Alright. I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna get one right, as usual. Uh, who composed the score for 1985's Red Sonia? Oh, God. <laughs> um, it could be anybody. I mean, it's a pretty big name. It was kind of a surprise for me. Jerry Goldsmith. I really have no concept, so... Was uh, it Jerry Goldsmith? Incorrect. Ennio Morricone. Ennio Morricone, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Didn't know that. Wouldn't have remotely known that. So, yeah, it was a nice, nice... Do you know what? It's learning as much as it is fun and games, isn't it? As much yes. as it is trying to win at trivia, it's learning as well. Yeah. Um, Janine, question number two. What is the full title of the first Ray Harryhausen Sinbad movie from 1957? Really? Yes. It is, in fact, a movie... We have covered, we covered on, on the, the show, yes. podcast, the main show. But I can't remember that subtitle. I don't remember that subtitle. The full title of the first Ray Harryhausen Sinbad movie from 1957 is... Sinbad and the Seven Seas. I Ooh, <laughs> seven's in there. It's actually yeah. the seventh voyage of Sinbad. Yikes. The seventh voyage of Sinbad. What happened to the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth? Yeah, I, who knows? We don't know. <laughs> they don't exist. <sighs> All right. How old is Bilbo Baggins in An Unexpected Journey? Ooh. Oh, well, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be 50-something. He'll be 50... Five ish. Fifty-five ish. Fifty-five ish. I'm go I'll say fifty-five. It's fifty-five ish, isn't it? It's fifty. It's fifty. It's fifty exactly. Fair enough. <laughs> yes, okay. 50, exactly. Okay. I probably should have known that. Yeah. Probably should have known that. Well, here's a Lord of the Rings question for you. Because I want the full names of Merry and Pippin. Oh my gosh. And because you obviously hate Lord of the Rings, as we've discovered already on today's show. Um, your disdain for all things Middle Earth. <laughs> then, um, the full names of Merry and Pippin. Both of them? Both of them. You can say it in a Gandalf impression if you want. It helps. I don't even remember which one's last name was the Brandy Buck. It does help if you say it in Gandalf's voice. No, it's not going to help. I just know one of them's their last name is Brandy Buck. It is, yes. What's the other <laughs> last name? I don't remember. It's so mean. No, Janine. <laughs> Oh, man. We are looking for Meriadoc Brandybuck yeah. and Peregrine Took. Yeah, yes. As in Fool, Fool of a Took. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Terrible. Nobody's got a question right. 
yet. What's going on? This is terrible. No. Okay. What is the name of Sarah's kidnapped baby brother whom she's searching for in the labyrinth? Oh, God. Why am I thinking it's Timmy? Is it Timmy? Why am I thinking it's Timmy? (laughs) You're thinking it's Timmy because it's close. Toby. 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 (laughs) God damn it. I knew it was T. I knew yeah, it was T. Yeah. This, is, this is dreadful. So good job the Schmodown's ending, Janine. What would, what would you do? What yeah. would... <laughs> um, oh, you might get this one, though, given that this one is very Janine. Fantasy movies, fantasy movies. Who plays the male lead in Frank Capra's Lost Horizon? It's a fantasy movie. I know. I don't remember. I don't remember this guy's name. You're supposed to be a Frank Capra expert. I am. But you know, as soon as as soon as the Schmodown ended, I let everything just eek seep out of my brain. And this is understandable. Who plays the male lead in Frank Capra's Lost Horizon? Without googling. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I give up. It is Ronald Coleman. Okay, yes. That sounds Could you at least tell now. me where Lost Horizon is set? Shangri-La. Shangri-La. See, yeah. you should have asked me that. Should have asked you that, but I didn't. <laughs> I asked you Ronald Coleman. Okay. In okay. The Princess Bride... Oh, right. What is the name of the drug Vizini tries to test Wesley with? Uh, The poison. (laughs) Is it got, he's got two, has he got two names? He's got like a descriptor and then the name? I don't remember at all. No. I don't, I don't remember at all. And I don't want to be thinking too much of this very <laughs> long episode of Monday Madness. What is the, uh, what is it? Iacane powder. Iacane, okay. Okay, <laughs> fine. Wasn't going wasn't to go for that either, to be honest. Okay, 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 okay. You might get this one. I would go as far as to say you should get this one. In In Harry Potter, what is the name of Hogwarts flying teacher and Quidditch referee? Madam Hooch. Yes, okay. Janine's one nilled me right at the end. Can I pull back to tie the game with the last question? Hmm. Please, 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 please <laughs> don't pick a hard question. <laughs> um, Come on. Come on. Okay. In, <laughs> in Encanto. Uh. <laughs> what are the powers of Mirabelle's sister, Isabella? I haven't seen Encanto. Seriously? Is that the Bruno one? Yes. Yeah, I heard that song and then just went, oh, it's an annoying song. <laughs> um, What are the powers? I don't know, telekinesis? I've literally got no concept. Oh I really don't know. 
Mirabelle wears glasses and all that. You should watch it. It's a good movie. Very dismissive. I'm not dismissive. Yes, I heard that song and it was rad. So I didn't watch it. (laughs) Yeah, that's not dismissive at all. No, it is. Isabella has the power to make things grow. Plants and flowers and things. Well, that's a nice power. Yes, I like that. I like that as a power, admittedly. Well done, Janine. You win the very defensive trivia game 1 0. Congratulations again Thank for winning you. another fun and games. What a surprise. What a surprise. <laughs> Good show today. Yeah. Nice discussions. Fun stuff. Movies. Middle Earths. Fantastic Fours. Winnie the Poos. Megan the Stallions. Megan the Stallions. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Janine, this show, Monday Madness, is not the only show we have on this podcast feed, nor is it the only thing you can find on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel, is it? No, other things you can find on this very YouTube channel are watch-alongs, fun videos from both of us, movie reviews, Morgan's movie collection videos. Uh, We do fun discussions on TV shows, um, all kinds of stuff. So please check that out. We're doing trailer reactions now as well, which has been really fun. So check all that out on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel along with this very show. Um, But the other shows we have on our podcast feed are every Wednesday we have Morgan Hasn't Seen, where I force Morgan to watch things he hasn't seen. And we are getting into a brand new series. So that's very exciting. We're dipping a toe into spooky season and talking horror comedies all September long to get ready for October. So check that out on Morgan Hasn't Seen every Wednesday. And of course, every Friday we have the main show. It's a wonderful podcast where we give love to classic films. Absolutely. It's the gunfighter from 1950 on the main show. This week, a really, really good movie. But yes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have you covered on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Castbox, Amazon Music, and everywhere else. Subscribe, ding your notification bells on this YouTube channel if you are watching Monday Madness in its full video glory, as I prefer to watch it myself. Do I watch my own show? Sure. <laughs> sometimes, not always, but you know, it'll be on sometimes yeah. when I'm doing things. Why not? Even though I've already had the dis- the discussion and really don't yeah. need to. Do I just watch it on mute sometimes? sometimes sure, yeah. because it's just on. It's just nice to have something to look at. Yes. Even if it is my own face, but usually it's your face instead, as I don't like to look at mine, Janine. <laughs> Um, but yes, um, subscribe to the podcast feed as well. Find that everywhere. Running across the bottom of the screen, if you are watching the video, is links to the Patreon. If you would like to support us that way, there is a link in the description. Uh, there's also a donation link in the description, um, as well as our social medias, our Twitter the show at it's a wonderful one i am on twitter at the purple dawn with a three instead of the e and the because Janine. three is the magic number on instagram at just the purple dawn all your i don't know <laughs> middle earth stuff swear i don't I didn't even know what to say <laughs> then I, I didn't have a 
I didn't you, have a little fun a little thing. thing there. No. Uh, you can find me at Janine Dubin underscore on Twitter, Janine Dubin on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, you can see it scrolling on by or find it in the description below. Uh, we have a Teespring shop. Just search for us. It's Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. We have some fun designs over there. All the logos for all of our shows um, on all kinds of merch. Or you can check out some of the Stranger Things designs we have as well. Um, and if you want to purchase any of my art in print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. There we go, indeed. Um, would you like to do an impression, Janine? I'll give you a choice. I'll give you a choice. Right, okay. You can use really elevated Tolkien language, like every character in the Rings of Power speaks so eloquently. Oh my god, doesn't everybody just speak so perfectly? Yes. Nobody <laughs> says anything. Everybody's language is just unbelievably so clean. Yeah. clean yes yes it's Christine. great yeah. or you can do it in an impression of megan the stallion which i'm not quite sure what that is but... i don't know what that is either unless i just go eh. <laughs> is that what she does is that, <laughs> yes. what, is that what she does yes. you could just do that if you want just do Three. that uh, two. So, yeah. uh, horrible noise. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well done for... well done I'm proud. I'm proud. Bye. Bye.